Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hey everyone, this is Elise Hallett here at the Healthcare Symposium sitting with Susan McDonald, who is a senior human factors engineer at Zymedica. Welcome. Thank you. Um, it's so good to have you on the show. Great to be here. <laughs> uh, so a little bit about yourself. What What does a senior human factors engineer <laughs> kind of like, entail at oh. Zymedica? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a whole bunch of things, which is great because it keeps it interesting. Um, I get to work and help companies work on products um, that are medical devices typically, but also and it could be anywhere in the healthcare space. And I help them wherever they need help. It could be throughout the whole process. So from the very beginning, they might want to understand their users and we will do a contextual inquiry, uh, go out into the field and then prepare findings and show, share them with the, um, the team. Um, it could also be at the end where they need help validating a product for the FDA approval. Um, so we could we could help them there, but we also love to do everything in the middle. And we can uh, there are times when we're engaged to be with a with a client throughout the whole process. Um, we'll conduct formative studies and um, and bring it all the way through validation. So I get to do lots of things, and I get to work with other HFEs and other uh, engineers and disciplines. Um, so it's it's great. It's really interesting. That's fantastic because I know one of the big challenges with uh, human factors practitioners in healthcare, especially working with medical devices is um, you know getting to the left of of the product design life cycle so a lot of times we come in you know at the the ends when you know they need a test need that validation right study and um, you know so from from your experience how have you been able to to work into you know the whole whole life cycle great question um, I'm really lucky at Zymatica because um, all of my coworkers understand that it's important to include human factors early. So I already have uh, help there. And when we, when our business development folks go out and sell what we can do to our clients, they are also well informed and they can um, espouse the benefits of having human factors available in the, or involved in the process early. So, um, so I'm lucky that way. I haven't had to really fight that battle. Um, there are always those times when clients will bring us in later and wish they had brought us in earlier. Um, and you do the best you can to help them through that. Um, and sometimes we can recommend, um, you know, a little bit quicker, easier fixes um, to help them through the process. So we'll do pilot studies to learn what we need to learn or a quick formative um, to kind of, you know, put them in the best position possible to get mm -hmm. to that validation. Nice. And so from your perspective, you know, as a senior human factors engineer, what's been your favorite favorite part or do you have like a certain method that you really uh, enjoy doing or a certain aspect of the life cycle you really enjoy? That's a good question. Um, I really, really like the formative studies, um, sort of not, not super late formative, so you're still able to affect the design um, and make some changes that will help improve the use um, and reduce use errors, so I really love that. And part of what I love about that too is that you're getting to meet with the actual end users, the um, target users, and so you can see how the devices and designs can really improve their, their lives, their conditions, 
Um, and so that's just such a fun, fun part of the design process to be a part of. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of motivation for me is is being able to see those end users too. It's, yeah. it's a fun part of the job. It really is, yeah. And it, it brings it home. It's more than just looking at reports and paper. You're you're actually seeing your device in the hands of the user. Yeah. And you can really see their struggles too, and you just can't help but feel empathetic towards what they're going through. There's nothing that takes it home more than seeing the look on their face as they're going through. Yes, absolutely. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> True, and I feel like observation is the most fun because having a conversation is great and they'll divulge some of their concerns and, and, and needs, but when you watch someone struggle to try to um, complete a task, either you know physically or you can see them um, being frustrated and they don't necessarily want to... Um, describe that to you or you know admit right. to having trouble it, it that can mean as much as their words can in, absolutely in plus yeah. users only know what you know you you only know what you know right is that the saying yeah, they become <laughs> very accustomed to living with their condition typically and so they have right. a lot of workarounds that they don't even um, realize they're doing absolutely so, so you touched on uh, an interesting topic formative uh, usability assessments mm -hmm. and this is a term that's you know very specific to healthcare. I think this difference between formative and summative. Right. Can you speak a little bit to you know what those entail and how they're different from each other? Oh sure. So um, formatives are um, less formal, especially early on in the process. So um, you do have we do plan them pretty carefully, but we'll have a sort of looser discussion guide. Um, you let the user kind of take you um, where they want to go. You have open-ended questions, and you can spend more time and have them talk aloud. Um, and you recruit typically fewer people because um, you're still learning, and they're, you're hoping to have multiple formatives and iterative um, sessions. So um, you know that you have some freedom there. Um, and then as you kind of get farther along the process, things become a little bit more structured, and you have these more structured discussion guides, and you stick to. Um, the questions um, as they're worded and you are looking for, you're counting use errors or looking for specific use errors and it gets much more structured. And then when you get to the summative or the validation piece, you um, you have a much larger recruit. Um, you, you're really kind of sticking to that um, discussion guide and protocol so tightly um, and there's uh, less, flexi less flexibility but you're just at that point trying to validate that all the decisions that have made, been made up to then have uh, have resulted in a, in a safe and effective product. Right, that's the, the key phrase, right? Yes. Safe and effective product. So <laughs> yes. big emphasis in, in safety and doing those those early evaluations to kind of identify what are those those big risks. Yeah, they can trying just, to mitigate them. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, they um they just they can you can get those that low hanging fruit um, really early the red flags um, and so that's why you don't really need as many folks. You can learn a lot from six to eight participants, mm -hmm. and it can just help drive the design um, early on, which is Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Um, and then another unique aspect to the the medical device, you know, production for obviously healthcare um, is the FDA component. Mm -hmm. um, in some of the other domains, human factors is more of you know kind of a selling point, but here it's really a big. Um, emphasis from the FDA and the regulatory process. Right. Can you speak a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So we're um, we're always working towards that submission and um, at Zymatica we have a regulatory and clinical affairs group that we work really closely with and so they help all the way through the process to ensure that there's a smooth transition uh, and submission for FDA. And they help us with completing the HFE and UE report and everything we do um, 
literally works towards that report. So um, we, we take credit for all of the early usability work that we do and, um, and carry that through. It all finds its way into the report so that there's a really solid submission. Fantastic. And just for our audience, HFE, Human Factors Engineering, yes. and then UE Usability Evaluation? Yes, okay. yes. Sorry, we, we use a lot of acronyms. And, uh, it's okay. Especially when you're among <laughs> other HFEs, you just kind of throw them out there. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a different language sometimes. But. Yes. Um, and so in your role, um, it sounds like you're working with you know a couple different types of people. Mm-hmm. So what what does your team tend to look like? Who are the different disciplines that you tend to work with? Oh, good question there too. You have all the <laughs> questions. Um, I'm lucky. Um, so our team can look like. <clears throat> I mean, it depends on the program. Yeah. And if sometimes if it's research focused only, it might just be HF folks and researchers, um, and a regulatory person may also be involved. Um, then there are other development programs that we're on that can have a whole host of folks. So mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, software folks, um, UI, UX designers, industrial designers. Um, so we're really, uh, we have a lot at, uh, to offer at Zymatica, which is great, versus um, other experiences I've had where HFE folks are kind of in a bubble and sending a report to another department. Uh, it's not that way at all. We're, we're very... Uh, cross-functional teams. Uh, we have very cross-functional teams at Zymedica, so. It sounds great. like it, working very closely with multidisciplinary teams all yes. working together. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so what brings you to the healthcare symposium this year? So I, I love coming to the healthcare symposium. Um, it's one of the few opportunities for all of our peers to be uh, in the same place because usually we're all so busy, you might run across a peer you know, here and there, but um, it's great to just be able to connect with um, your peers and also to see kind of state of the art of where the community is going for the work that we do. Um, and also it's important to share what you've learned with others. It's um, for this community, you need to um, you know, give as well as receive. So I'm happy that uh, you know, I have a poster at the symposium, I'm uh, a chair of a session, some of our folks are presenting, and uh, um, another one of my colleagues has a poster. So I think it's really important to have that give and take and share uh, the state of the art of the discipline for sure. Absolutely, um, and it definitely comes across that way. You know, coming to these different sessions, and you hear a lot more of the lessons learned from within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more of, you know, well, we we tried this out, worked really well here, not mm-hmm. so much here, um, and. You know, much much less on you know this is what I did, but really sharing with the community. Yeah, um, and that you, you know you when you have just your own experience to go with, you're kind of questioning potentially. You know, am I making the right choices for the testing of this product or review of this product? And then you kind of you can get validation yourself by looking at others, saying, okay, they did a similar, they went through a similar process. Um, but other there are a few times that you will grab you know, a nugget of information like, wow, I really should incorporate the next that into my uh, next evaluation or, um, you know, next research. So you really, you do learn a lot. It's great. So it, it's the perfect place for that to learn all, you know, what's out there, what's new. Absolutely. Um, and what's the, the session that you're chairing? So I am chairing Novel Methods in Medical Device medical device development um, and it's coming up next. Excellent. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> um, and we have a handful of speakers talking to summative studies, talking to um, 
One was one of the talks is emergency ethnogra ethnographics or ethnography. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I'm not quite sure what that'll be. <laughs> um, so that, you know, it'll be a neat session. I'm excited to go. It sounds really interesting. The name really popped out to me when I was looking through the different sessions. Yeah, yeah, isn't that one for sure that, that pops out? Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot of you know the people who are you know listening to this podcast you know maybe just learning about human factors mm -hmm. figuring out how to get into it or you know just starting down that path and looking to get more information um, given where you are now what advice would you give to your younger self just getting into this okay um, what I would do is make sure um, to stick with what you really enjoy doing um, I know it it's, can be hard. Sometimes you can't find work in that exactly what you want to be doing. Um, but if you do that, you're going to love it and you're going to want to you know, dive into it. And I'm very fortunate now in my career that I love what I do. I love going to work um, and, and digging into helping users and knowing that I can impact many people through, through this uh, applying human factors and, and product development. So that's what I would tell a new human factors person. Um, I would also say Remember, you're the advocate, the user advocate. So when you're in a room with other technical folks and really their motivations, you know, everyone has the best uh, intentions in mind, but there are motivations for technical reasons or business reasons, and you need to be there for the user's reasons. Um, and that can be challenging sometimes when there are tough decisions to be made, but you know you're really helping um, everyone in the long run. You're mitigating the risk so that... Uh, you know, a device doesn't make it to validation and then can't pass. Um, so, you know, it might be a, some tough medicine to take, but it's worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that that last point was probably one of the biggest eye-openers for me when I first got into, you know, being a human factors engineer and working in these multidisciplinary teams. Yeah. How do you juggle those different priorities? You know, everyone's, you know, working for a good cause, but yeah. with these different perspectives in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And it isn't easy, and I need to work in it myself, you know, every day. So it's, uh, you just need to bring your best self, uh, you know, every time you're in one of those meetings. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks um, for, um, for having me. Absolutely. So I know that you've got you know your session to get to, mm -hmm. um, but before we let you go, how can our uh, you know audience members find out a little bit more about you or contact you? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn, Susan McDonald. Um, Zymedica is my company. And you can also look up Zymedica, Zymedica.com, um, and find me that way, I believe. Um, so yeah, I welcome any and all inquiries. Fantastic. <laughs> and we'll make sure that those links are also posted on our show notes for the viewers. Great. Um, well, thank you so much. Sure. Thanks uh, for having me. Before we wrap up, uh, we'll, we always end these podcasts with, a, it depends, because as you know, in human factors, it always depends. It, it sure does. <laughs> so on the count of three, we'll just do a, it depends. Okay. So one, two, three. It, it depends. depends. <laughs>
These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.